0: Well, the Maui Invitational will not be held on Maui this year, but it is going to be played in Hawaii at the Simplify Arena. More on this amazing field, as well as our Summit League Conference preview, all coming up on today's Locked On College Basketball. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, folks, and welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton, and today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Jace Medical. Power yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E-Medical.com. Well, joined again today by leaf to lean here on our regular Thursday episode of Locked On College Basketball, and we are continuing our conference preview series, previewing every single college basketball conference in America ahead of the 2023-24 college basketball season. Today, we're going to get into the Summit League, talk about Oral Roberts, who went undefeated in conference play last year, but lost a significant amount of talent. Of course, Max Acemas out the door at Texas. We'll talk about that, what it means for them, what it means for the conference. But before we get into any of that, Leaf, we got to talk about the Maui Invitational, because this has been a big storyline in college basketball since, of course, the devastating wildfires that hit Lahaina, significant death told really, really sad story uh, in, in our country, in, of course, Hawaii, a place that has uh, been devastated by natural disasters in the past, and and unfortunately, While the Lahaina Civic Center, where this event has historically been held, has not been damaged, which is great news, they are using it right now to help coordinate relief efforts, which, frankly, far, far more important than any college basketball tournament could possibly be. Even as stacked as this Maui Invitational is, that is a much, much better use for the Lahaina Civic Center, so they are going to move this event over to the University of Hawaii's campus. It is going to be held at Simplify Arena. One of the benefits of this is that that arena holds about four times as many people as the Lahaina Civic Center, which is about 2,400 people. Uh, Simplify will, held, will hold 10,300 people. So you can get more butts in seats, more money raised. And I think the the best part about this is that this event is still going to be held in Hawaii. There was rumors that maybe it's gonna go to Las Vegas, Plenty of other places reportedly were interested in hosting the event as they probably should have been with the field as stacked as this one is. But it's nice that it's still in Hawaii. It still is an economic boost to a a state that really, really needs it. It still allows people to travel there. It still can help generate generate money and, of course, fundraising events and all of that stuff. So to me, I think the first thought is, of course, about the victims and the families and the people who are suffering in Hawaii. But I think this is a really good compromise and hopefully something that will be a net good for the people of Hawaii, the people of Lahaina, the people who have suffered from this event.
1: Yeah, that's where our priorities and, and focus should lie. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, it's called the Maui gym. It's tradition, mm-hmm. like maybe like traditionalists would believe, oh, mm-hmm. uh, we want it in Maui. Anything else is a is a travesty. But mm-hmm. no, it, it the fact it's in Hawaii is still a mm-hmm. positive the fact that what the the civic center is being used for yeah. is an enormous positive. Yeah. And we still have the same teams playing in Hawaii. And, and I know just from a basketball perspective, I know some professional teams are doing training camps and, yeah. and preseason games in Hawaii. And so I think there's a collective effort in the sport of basketball, college and professional to raise awareness and, and get some sort of proceeds going toward curing as best you can the natural disaster that has Mm -hmm. caused irreparable damage like you're not going to be individually able to fix it but if there's an awareness because of uh, a beloved sport like basketball Mm -hmm. and this tournament's phenomenal like you mentioned Mm -hmm. like if we're going to talk about basketball you're going to have probably six of the eight teams in the field are top Mm -hmm. 25 yeah and i think that that's conservative like Mm -hmm. i think there's a chance more could be and so That's no better way to keep focus on Hawaii Mm -hmm. than, you know, the broadcasters who watch it for people like us who are going to watch on TV and every, you know, five minutes will be like, well, we're playing here in Mm -hmm. lieu of there, but this is what you should do to donate. Like that's going to happen. And that's actually a great thing. Even if it becomes repetitive, a little bit redundant, it's, it's necessary and it's very good. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the basketball lover and me just can't wait for this tournament. I don't care really where it's played, but I'm thrilled because it's, it's in Hawaii and it at least allows for proceeds to go there Mm -hmm. as well as just an economic boost. Like you mentioned that that's just absolutely necessary at this point.
0: We're going to post a link in the show notes here about uh, multiple different places that you can donate if you are interested in doing so, if you're interested in helping out that community, I've said this on the podcast before, but my wife was at a bachelorette party, uh, a few months before this happened or a month or so before this happened, and she was literally at some of the places that got destroyed as a very kind of surreal moment. And it's it's a place that means so much to so many people and, of course, so many people who are impacted by this. And and we're seeing college basketball step up in, in multiple ways, not only this, which is a huge step, of course, in making sure this event gets secured in Hawaii. And we're also seeing teams put together charity events as well and, and exhibition games, which I think is such a good Thing to see these secret exhibition games are are, are still happening to some degree, I'm sure. But now we're seeing more public charity events, charity exhibition games, with the proceeds going uh, towards relief efforts in Maui, uh, Kansas, and Illinois. Are going to play each other. Kansas, one of the teams, of course, in the Maui field. Tennessee and Michigan State are going to play each other in an exhibition game. Tennessee is another one of the teams that is in that field as well. And I think seeing efforts like that, seeing college basketball come together in ways to help raise money for this, is an overwhelmingly positive thing i do want to talk about the field and it's tough to transition out of that but we did tease kansas and tennessee being among those two teams you mentioned six teams being ranked in the top 25 i'm looking at this field i see three that i think a pretty good chance are going to be in the top five at least maybe in the top eight between kansas and marquette and purdue i think you look at preseason numbers right now i think those teams are all right in that top five top six seven conversation gonzaga tennessee ucla all very very likely to be ranked Gonzaga and Tennessee showing up right now in the top 15, top 20 in most places. UCLA has kind of been a little bit borderline as a top 25 team. I think the recent addition of Ademara makes them, kind of pushes them over the top in my mind, and you alluded to it. I, I'm assuming you were alluding to Syracuse and not Chaminade, with no disrespect to Chaminade, of course, but Syracuse is a team that I think could, could climb into the top 25. Like, this is First time new head coach since Gerald Ford was president, which is insane to talk about. Jim Beheim out the door there, but of course Red Auerbach takes over, and they have a really solid backcourt coming in with Judah Mintz and JJ Starling. And I think, I think Syracuse could be uh, maybe. I'm not sure how they'll do in this tournament. This is a really stacked field, but I would not be surprised to see the Syracuse team make some noise. And to me, this is just an unbelievably stacked top to bottom tournament uh, in a field that you know Maui hasn't hasn't pulled this kind of talent in a couple of years they used to get a lot of really premier teams in this tournament and then it kind of you know fell behind some of the other ones old spice that when the Phil night invitationals happened that kind of took some some power teams but now man this is an incredible field and like you said gonna be an extremely fun tournament
1: i I was referring to syracuse i I do i do think that they will have a chance to be ranked later in the year i Mm -hmm. don't think this this tournament's conducive to their success And, and i actually think tennessee could be a top 10 team very quickly. I know they were inept scoring the ball. I I Mm -hmm. know I'm very keenly aware of that. They were not a pretty watch last year, but defensively they're a pest. Mm -hmm. They made the sweet 16. It's a team that you you really don't want to play Mm -hmm. and they're veteran and it's early in the season. If they've got good chemistry and they're Mm -hmm. able to score because scouting reports aren't as prevalent. This is a team I think makes a deep run in this tournament. I think I chose them to all the way to the final. Yeah. if I remember correctly, and, and I think that'll get them ranked in the top 10 within a week or two of the of the season. I think Tennessee, and, and I just wanted to go through, you You mentioned three likely mm-hmm. ranked top 10 day mm-hmm. one. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think Tennessee's probably like 12th. Yeah. So, you know, they just hop up two, three spots, maybe mm-hmm. even further if they win. That's four. I would argue on paper, you can make a claim that UCLA is the most talented team. Like they, they have a De Mara who's being compared to a seven foot three Pau Gasol. That's mm-hmm. not necessarily fair. But I'm just saying, and then they've got a Mm Dembona and it's UCLA and Mick Cronin's done a lot with a little when he's when he's done it at Cincinnati. So for that to be the sixth best team, or I'd say I'd say they're fifth and Gonzaga's Mm -hmm. sixth. But I mean, it's just I think I think Gonzaga is going to be a team that's good, but just not great. Let's just say they're ranked 16. You got six in the top 16 pretty easily, in my opinion.
0: Belief conference realignment has struck in the Summit League. There are also a ton of transfers out, as typically happens with these low major conferences, a significant coaching change. All of that highlights the big storylines in the Summit League, and we're going to break all of that down in just a second. But first, today's episode of Lockdown College Basketball is brought to you by Jace Medical. What would happen if you found yourself cut off from modern modern medical care and treatment? I'm guessing you wouldn't be prepared. Maybe it's supply chain issues because of a global pandemic, or you're on an outdoor adventure, or there's a natural disaster, or you're traveling in a different country with different standards of care. For those reasons and more, you need the Jace case from Jace Medical. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is fill out a simple online form, and then you get a prescription, life-saving medications delivered right to your door. I love it because Jace case gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical, make sure you have the medication in hand. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using my code LOCKEDON at checkout of jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Doctor created, doctor recommended. That's Jace Medical. Folks, I want to thank all of you for making locked on college basketball your first listen or your first watch of the day. Shout out to those everyday listeners and shout out to those of you checking out the show on YouTube as well. Leaf. It is time for another conference preview series. I love these. These have been so much fun for uh, an opportunity for us to get a chance to learn uh, kind of the ins and outs, the movement going on in these mid-major conferences. I think it's easy to focus on the biggest transfer news of the offseason, but there's thousands of players transferring every year, and it's kind of fun to see some of the movement that happened at some of those lower levels. Uh, And we start with the Summit League in conference realignment, Western Illinois, is leaving for this upcoming season. They're going to join the Ohio Valley Conference. Western Illinois is a inaugural member of the Summit League. They've been in the league since 1982, gone through a name change in the league, but they have been there for that long, nine and nine last year, 16 and 14 overall. But amazingly, despite being in the league for over 40 years, this team has never once made the NCAA tournament, never once won a tournament championship out of the Summit League. So, Not necessarily a devastating blow to the Summit League, at least from a men's basketball perspective, but again, they are down one team heading into next year. Conference realignment, always a big storyline, but really, Leaf, I think it's fair to say the biggest storyline taking place in the Summit League this year, and we've talked about it a handful of times with other conferences, is the amount of talent leaving the conference. We talked about it with the Big Sky, but it's really pronounced in the Summit League because two of the biggest transfers in all of college basketball, unquestionably, are Max Acemas heading from Oral Roberts to Texas and Grant Nelson heading from North Dakota State to Alabama. Two of the top five, top 10 at least, a biggest transfer movement of the entire offseason. Ace misses a 20-point-per-game score, helped lead Oral Roberts to a Sweet 16. Uh, he goes to Texas to play for Rodney Terry, Grant Nelson. Uh, a, a, the Unicorn, a guy who had a highlight reel tape last year that went, made the rounds viral on social media, of course, was at the NBA Draft Combine as well with you. Uh, he ends up going to Alabama. I want to ask about those two guys, but a couple other transfers as well. Connor Vanover, seven foot three center, leaving Oral Roberts to go to Mizzou. Andrew Rody goes from St. Thomas, to Virginia. Tassos Kamateros goes from South Dakota to Vanderbilt. So a handful of guys moving up to that power five level. But Leaf, we saw Baylor Shireman have a ton of success at Creighton last year coming from South Dakota State. He did not look like a player who was unprepared for the move from the Summit League to the Big East. Now you have Grant Nelson going to Alabama and the SEC, which SEC and the Big East are both great, but there is a difference being a post player and a rim protector having to go into the SEC. And now, of course, Ace Miss goes over to Texas. And how, with those two guys in particular, a lot of eyeballs are going to be on them and how they do with this transition up to those levels. How do you kind of foresee their seasons going at Texas and Alabama, respectively?
1: So the first thing I think is important to address here is Baylor Shireman was unquestionably the best player in the summit league. Yeah. Like when he was there, like when South Dakota state played Providence and Providence was a four seed and they made the sweet 16 and they were, you know, they were a pretty lucky team. Like you could look mm-hmm. at the metrics on Ken Palm, but that was a big East, like solid team. And Shireman was the best player on the court by a mile. Yeah, Like he didn't even have a good game because it was like well scripted against him, but you could see all the attention he drew. And then he goes to the big East and he goes to a good Creighton team But I think a large reason that Creighton team was good is because he was probably the fourth best player. Mm -hmm. And so the reason I bring that up is Grant Nelson was a best player on his team last year by Mm -hmm. a mile. I don't think he'll be a top three player for Alabama. Ace miss Mm -hmm. was the best player by a mile in the league. And now he goes to Texas and I'm not sure he's the best player in his backcourt. So to me, I think it, I think their impacts can be measured in terms of winning yeah. But you're not going to see the same player. Like Baylor Shireman was actually exceptional in the Big East. Mm-hmm. He was exceptional at his role, though. He wasn't mm-hmm. the star. Like, there were three players that were definitely better on his team. And you can mm-hmm. make an argument. Actually, I'd say he's fourth pretty confidently. But, like, yeah. there's argu- there's an argument that could have been made that he was the fifth best player on Crate. But the thing about Shireman is he fits the system really well. I'm curious to see how well Max Acemus can fit a system as he has been the system think uh, Rodney Terry squad where he's got guard play in in, in droves over there like I, I think that Hunter and him are going to share a backcourt I think even with Marcus Carr who was a sixth year there was a little bit of my turn your turn at times and it sometimes was detrimental it ended up being good for a while but Acemas has been the guy with the ball in his hands I'm more curious about Nelson to me was a, an athletic anomaly at the summit league level but at Alabama. I don't think he's an above average athlete. I saw him play at the combine and he looked coordinated and long, but he didn't look strong and explosive. Mm-hmm. And those are traits I would say are very prevalent in the SEC. Like imagine him playing against Tennessee's front court, Tobey as is a rebounding machine. You look, they lost Olivier Kamwa, but they still have just Jonas Adu, all these enormous bodies on the mm-hmm. interior. And, and so I'm just curious to see how he holds up, what his role would be with Alabama especially considering Bediaco left. If yeah. Bediaco had stayed, I think he fits more naturally as a stretch four. Now I think he's going to have to play more in the interior and more physically. So I have tempered expectations for the guys transferring out. Mm-hmm. But that said, I am very curious to see because obviously Shireman excelled in
0: his role. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also a handful of guys coming into the conference. We'll, we'll talk about a few of them a little bit later in the show, but that's always an intriguing part of like which – high major guys coming down to the Summit League level, guys who didn't produce much at their respective schools are going to kind of step up and 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 be guys who really produce because that happens every single year. And it's always kind of fun to try to gamble on who those might be. But the last big storyline, not only did Earl Roberts lose A. Smith, who, of course, one of the best players in college basketball last year, best scorers at least, and Connor Vanover, an elite rim protector, huge bodied guy who goes to Mizzou. They also lost their head coach. Paul Mills goes over to uh, Wichita State after six seasons uh, at Oral Roberts won 106, 106 and 84, excuse me, uh, two NCAA tournament appearances, of course, both with Max A. there. Now he's over with the Shockers and they bring in Russell Springman as their new head coach. He spent the last five years in his assistant at Oral Roberts. So he's familiar with the system he's probably not going to make a lot of dramatic changes which when the team went 18 and 0 last year you don't want to make a ton of dramatic changes this is also a coach who has 25 years of college basketball experience. He spent 17 years as an assistant at Texas with Rick Barnes. So he has coached with some of the best. He has been under some of the best. He made 13 NCAA tournament appearances. He's been to five sweet 16s. He helped recruit guys named TJ Ford and Kevin Durant when he was at Texas. So a guy who doesn't have head coaching experience, which I think people might kind of raise an eyebrow at for a school like Oral Roberts, but man, this is somebody who has been around this game for a really long time. And I think you got to feel pretty good about bringing him him in uh to replace somebody as as solid as paul mills was
1: yeah I, i'm curious to see what impact he has in terms of recruiting at mm-hmm. this level because uh oral roberts is now a pretty much a well-known commodity like mm-hmm. even even by people not like you and me who are diehard fans yeah. like everyone knows who they are because they made the sweet 16 a few years ago mm-hmm. and now they had max ace Smith and they were a very popular upset pick over duke they didn't mm-hmm. win but like that gives you some relevancy mm-hmm. and i'm curious to see if he has the recruiting chops to recruit people to oral roberts whereas mm-hmm. texas even though they weren't really that good program before tj ford and obviously mm-hmm. tj ford led to kevin durant yeah. lamarcus aldridge yeah. uh, dj augustine all these guys think that having that cachet pays dividends and i think he if he's given a bit of time i think he could even elevate them to a better program than they were. Not saying that they're going to always go 18 and 0 in their league, sure. <laughs> but they may be able to win more, more frequently and become a like kind of like Wichita State was able to do mm-hmm. and establish themselves as a frequent arriver to the tournament, not just in a one big
0: league. Well, we're going to continue our conversation about Oral Roberts with discussion on if they can stay atop the standings despite all of the changes. Who might challenge them for the summer that summit league auto bid and some award predictions as well, all coming up after a word from today's sponsored Game Time. Life is always so busy, and the last thing that I want to be stressed out about is buying tickets to events. Thankfully, there's Game Time, which has killer deals on last-minute tickets for all of the events that I want to go to. And when choosing seats for events, I get stressed out about trying to pick the right ones. I'm worried about the view. I'm worried about the sun being in my eyes. However, Game Time has images of views from your seat so that you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Forget planning months in advance. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of that difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, folks, still closing out the show here today, talking about the Summit League with Leaf to lead of the Locked On NBA Big Board. And Leaf, we got to start talking about the favorites in the conference. We'll get to some dark horse teams as well, and then we'll make our award predictions and look we spent a lot of time talking about oral roberts but again when you go undefeated in conference play you're gonna tend to dominate conversations in a one big league and i think with oral roberts again 18 and 0 in the summit league last year 30 and 5 overall a popular pick to upset a duke team that was playing really well now they did not upset duke in that game but again when you have that kind of cachet and that kind of pedigree and have earned that reputation you're going to get a lot of those conversations with oral roberts they lose Max A. Smith, 22 points per game last year. They lose Connor Vanover, 12.7 points per game last year. A lot of rebounds, big shot blocker as well. And you lose Carlos Juergens, who averaged nine and four. So they lost a significant amount of talent as well as, of course, their coach, Paul Mills. But as we just talked about, they are bringing in a coach who has some familiarity with the program. Hopefully not too dramatic of a change for that team. And they keep Isaac McBride, who averaged 12-3-3 last year. They keep Kareem Thompson, who was eight and a half points and six boards last year. So they got some valuable role guys coming back, uh, potentially stepping up into bigger roles. They also had a couple of transfers that I'm intrigued by, guys who didn't do much. At their previous schools, uh, they bring in Jalen Miller, who played 47 games at Rutgers and averaged less than a point per game, a six-foot-two combo guard coming in. They also bring in Braden Moore coming over from BYU, Braden Moore, six-foot-nine forward. He did not play at BYU last year, but again, a guy who was recruited to that school, has got some size, could potentially come in and, and make some noise. So, Leif, I kind of want to just ask. It's, it seems like Oral Roberts still kind of has to be the team to beat in the conference, but with the amount of changes being made, do you think that there's, you know, there's an opportunity for somebody else to maybe step in here and take the Summit League title?
1: I actually like South Dakota State an awful mm-hmm. lot. In terms of my basketball mind, mm-hmm. I don't like to bet on someone I haven't seen. Yeah. And when you lose a guy like Max Smith, and I don't think Vanover was that great, mm-hmm. like he was good. Mm-hmm. And because he's been an SEC guy, he's going back to the SEC. Mm -hmm. but I think he's overrated. Like Mm -hmm. Duke absolutely exposed him. So I don't think that loss is enormous, but the Ace Miss one is enormous. And before that, it was McCullough, not McCullough, Kevin O'Banner. And so I... I think what really matters is how they're going to replicate the scoring production Ace Miss was able to do. Like, they're not going to be able to generate the looks for others because of the attention that Ace Miss drew. And that's what actually concerns me. Not that Ace Miss's points per game will be lost. It's the ease with which other players were able to score because of Ace Miss. Mm -hmm. So for me, South Dakota State's actually my favorite because they return some players that I think could be Player of the Year candidates. And we'll get to that in a bit. so I don't Mm -hmm. want to bury the lead there. But I also think that they return depth. And that that's really important to me, because I think continuity in these type of leagues is more important than in in leagues with enormous amounts of talent, because that can be like talent can supersede continuity on a given night. And then Mm -hmm. as you become more, more intertwined as a team with that talent supersedes. So I think in this type of league, I'm going to go with continuity and I think they have the player of the year. So I'm going to go South Dakota State.
0: It's worth pointing out South Dakota State was 13 and five last year, finished second. So it's not like, you know, they're they're not a dark horse necessarily. They are the team that is probably most likely to challenge Oral Roberts at the top. And you mentioned some of the guys coming back and we will touch on them, but I also like their addition of Nate Barnhart, a seven foot center who comes over from Wyoming. He only played about 11 minutes per game last year with the Cowboys, uh, two and a half points, two boards. So it didn't, wasn't super productive, but again, and kind of same note with Van over, like, seven foot plus guys aren't in the summit league all that often. And so they end up tending to, to put up big numbers in part just because of their size. A team like Duke is going to be able to expose Vanover much better than a team like, you know, Western Illinois or St. Thomas or some of the other teams in the uh, summit league. So I think that that helps just getting a guy in like Barnhart uh, for South Dakota state strikes me as a, a move that might really benefit them. And, and I wanted to move on and talk about the dark horse team that I had. And that's the Denver Pios. And Denver finished eighth last year. And I think when I've done dark horses in the past, I rarely pick teams below like fifth or sixth. So this is a true legitimate dark horse team that I think could compete here in the summer league. They keep a lot of their core talent from last year. Tommy Bruner was a guy who averaged 16 points, four assists last year. Tuco Tainamo averaged 10 and a half points, 6.4 rebounds last year. And I really like the four transfer portal additions they made. I'll go through them quickly. Isaiah adu Ankre is a guy who was at San Antonio, averaged 7.5 points, three board, shot 35% from deep. Jackson Brenchley comes over from Utah, grad transfer, didn't play much uh, during his time with the Utes. But again, a guy who spent four years at a power five school, that never hurts. Devin Carney comes over from Duquesne, didn't play there. And then they add Isaiah Carr from Grand Canyon. He started six games for them last year, only played nine total games, but seven foot guy, again, never hurts to have that in that conference. So for me, I, I think Denver's a team that they have enough intriguing new talent as well as some returning talent that was some of the best on their roster to at least give them a look of like, hey, if this, if the pieces fit together well, they got the sharp shooter, they got the size, they got the vet. Like if all of that comes together, do they challenge Oral Roberts and South Dakota State? Uh, maybe not, but could they go from eighth to third? Could they go on a run in the Summit League tournament? I don't think it's crazy to imagine that that is at least – worthy of consideration for a dark horse team here in this conference.
1: It's an interesting one because I think there is talent an infusion of talent from power five for a Mm -hmm. team that hasn't traditionally had it. So that's a possibility. Just a quick aside. Jackson Brenchley is Mm a Utah state tennis champion. (laughs) Uh, He, uh, he did in third singles. He's a, Mm -hmm. he's a year older than me. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I've actually met him a few times. Nice dude. So I'm hoping for the best for, for him there. Um, but I, I am interested to see what players that are kind of little used in power five programs are able to do for a team like that, where the mm-hmm. opportunity is there, especially in a conference that has lost a lot of its premier talent. Like if you were to look at the top five players of the league, mm-hmm. I think only one that you would have said from last year state and that is mm-hmm. Zeke Mayo. Yeah. And, and so I would um I'd be pretty, pretty interested to see them rise. I, I agree with you. I wouldn't go as far as to say they can contend. Like you said, mm-hmm. maybe third is kind of the the option there Mm -hmm. Uh, i'd be curious to see how some like barnhart like you mentioned that that's a guy that i think really is going to take a a step up as well so i'm i'm curious to watch this i also am very curious what the um the preseason poll says here because i wonder how many people are just gonna be like oh well they lost talent or they gained talent and haven't like thought about it Mm -hmm. because i i think the the gap between one and two is fairly substantial but i would say three through even nine is going to
0: be pretty close well, moving on to our award predictions here, and you teased it, and it's it's kind of the obvious choice, I think, in my mind at least. Player of the year for me is Zeke Mayo, South Dakota State, uh, the only Summit League first teamer who's coming back, a guy who averaged 18 points per game last year. He also averaged 6.2 boards, 3.4 assists, one steal, shot 37% from deep. This is a dude who loaded up the stat sheet. That kind of production as a sophomore coming into his junior year, I, he could. I don't, he's not going to be the next Max Ace Miss probably, but it's not crazy to imagine him uh, once again challenging for twenty points per game, and I think looking at the the rest of the league, he strikes me as the guy who's probably going to take on this award.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's hard to argue. Like I mentioned, I think the best team is going to be South Dakota State, so I'm mm-hmm. going to go with the p- best player on the best team. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that's kind of lame to be honest, but <laughs> but he's eighteen and six, 18 mm-hmm. and six. The best players that were were his competition are gone. And also, I just want to make one one big point. We haven't we haven't mentioned Andrew Rohde from St. Mm-hmm. Thomas leaving. Yeah. I, I think he would have been the favorite for me yeah. had he stayed, and he was a little bit of a surprise to enter the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Um, he's at Virginia, and I think he'll be good there. Uh, he was seventeen and six as a freshman. Yeah. Um, so the the reason I bring that up is eighteen and six for Mayo is, is as an established upperclassman. Mm-hmm. And then I I popped in my head. I was like, man, this guy would have been awesome. Yeah. Would, um, but man. but yeah, Zeke Mayo to me is the clear front runner.
0: Transfer slash newcomer of the year. I'm going to go with Isaiah odo ancra the guy coming over from UT San Antonio, joining Denver. Uh, Seven points, three boards, like we said last year, in 23 games with San Antonio. Six-foot-six guard, 35% three-point shooter last year. I think it- – Denver has some other guards coming back, so I think he's going to play kind of a a wing role. I think he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. I think he's going to be relied upon to be a significant scorer. I could see him being up in the double digits for Denver, and if they make a push, if they move from eighth to fifth, eighth to fourth, something like that, and he's one of their more productive players, I think he could take home this award.
1: I think if Denver is top four, I think he's got a really good chance to do it because I think he'll be a a catalyst in that push Mm -hmm. forward. I'll go with Nate Barnhart, though. I Mm -hmm. I mentioned it just beforehand. You you said that there aren't many seven-footers in the Summit League, and he's a true seven-footer, and he was at Wyoming. Wyoming's not Power Five, but they were in the tournament a couple years ago. They played Indiana, and it was one of the most awful basketball games (laughs) I've ever watched in my life. But the reason I bring that up is because – Typically, players that have the capacity to play and they were recruited for a team that was just in the tournament means they've got division one high level athleticism. I think he'll be able to take advantage of it. And like I mentioned, he's on one of the best teams, the team that I think will be the best team. Mm -hmm. And I think that really just incentivizes a player to, you know, play their role, excel in it. And it also just accelerates their chances to win some hardware, considering they're prevalent
0: in the discussion. Coach of the year for me, I'm going with Jeff, Jeff Welbrun at Denver. You know, I already kind of staked my claim on Denver as the Dark Horse team, so I might as well stick with it going through these award predictions. Welbrun's been there for two years now. He won 11 games in his first season. He won 15 games last year we keep that projection up he wins 19 20 games this year like we said goes from eighth to fifth eighth to fourth in that conference Uh, a lot of times we see coach the weird coach of the year given not necessarily just automatically to the team that won I think if South Dakota State does take over for Oral Roberts there's a good chance that they uh, that their coach takes on the award there but to me I think Wilburn's done a good job with that Pio squad and if they continue to progress I could see him taking home the trophy.
1: You know what I'll ride with you on this one because like you said, if South Dakota State does win, I think they're going to clean up some hardware. Um, so I will, I will go with with you on this in Denver. And I think mm-hmm. a dark horse. I do believe, and this is just a slight aside. I, I think Coach of the Year should typically go, even in the Power Five conferences, to a team whose expectations were outside of yeah. the top five and was exceeded whether it means infiltrating that top five when it's all said and done, whether you're number five and now
0: you're number one. Moving on, final award here for Leaf and I here in the Summit League is the Defensive Player of the Year. I'm going with Kareem Thompson at Oral Roberts. Uh, Kareem Thompson had 1.3 steals per game last year. Looking at some of the advanced numbers, he was second in the conference in defensive win shares. He was second in box plus minus. He was third in defensive rating, basically behind Connor Van Over in all of those stats. Connor Van Over not in the conference anymore. To me, Kareem Thompson, I think, steps into more of a, a defensive stopper role for Oral Roberts and I think that's enough for him to potentially take home the trophy here.
1: Yeah, that's where I'm going as well. I, I think that the vacancy left by a seven foot five shot blocker and now yeah. you have the, the another guy who's already productive defensively um, allows him to learn to to gamble a little bit like that's what he was able to. Do. now I think he's gonna be an even better like succinct tactical defensive mm-hmm. player and he'll be the guy who draws the attention of coaches be like well, that's their defender and that, and you know announcers will be like well there's their glue guy here's mm-hmm. their defender and cool. and he's no longer the glue guy i think he's their star defender um and and i think should they finish number 1 i think he's pretty much a lock to win the award should they finish number 2 i think he's likely still the winner yeah.
0: Leaf, thanks so much for coming on, man. Love doing these conference preview series. That is going to wrap us up for today here on the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast. We got more conference preview series coming your way later this week and of course getting into next week as we continue to break down every conference in college basketball. Keep you updated on the newest goings on in the sport as well as we get closer and closer to that season. Thank you so much for sticking with us. Make sure to check out the show wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube. Smash that like button. Smash that subscribe button if you have not done so yet. We'll talk to you next week, or we'll talk to you later this week and into next week. For now, as always, peace out.